Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist, and thank you so much for joining me today. Today we have a special guest for the podcast, but before we get going with that, let me make a couple of announcements. I want to be sure that you know that if you are in the eastern section of the United States or in Toronto, around that area of Canada. I am going to be there in person on Friday, September 23rd. I'm being hosted by Speech Associates. We are in possibly the most beautiful venue that I've ever had the opportunity of speaking in, in downtown Toronto, and I would just love for you to join me there. If you need information about that uh, continuing education course, it's at my website at teachmetotalk.com, and the title is I'm Going to Toronto. So click on that post and get the information. <laughs> the, co- the course I'm teaching that day is uh, Steps to Building Verbal Imitation Skills in Toddlers, and then we also will have a small special section by request <laughs> from that group about teaching toddlers to listen and obey. And it's always kind of tongue-in-cheek when I say listen and obey because people think I'm going to share you know, some big secret behavioral strategies for making toddlers 100% compliant. It's not exactly how that section goes. It's just really good information about looking at toddler behavior realistically and what we can do to change ourselves to accommodate all of our little friends' needs. So if you want to join me that day in Toronto, I would absolutely love to have you. I know we have um, lots and lots and lots of folks signed up already, but I hope to see you there. I wanted to be sure to mention that. Also, if you are on my email list, you've gotten a special coupon code this week that will expire in the next couple of days. It's for $10 off any DVD or book. Uh, or any course, anything that you want to do. So if you, however you want to use that coupon code, if you uh, are on the email list, you've certainly gotten that. If you want to be on the email list and aren't, and remember the very best reason to do that is because you do get special discounts for products, go to teachmetotalk.com and sign up there in the middle of the uh, big green banner there, and you'll actually get a free ebook that talks about all the principles that we chat about every single week on this show, you know, following the hierarchy for teaching language development. And so take take a look at that. All right, let me move on here and introduce Terry Kaminsky Peterson. How are you, Terry? I'm fine, thank you, Laura. <laughs> we're so happy to have Terry back today. She was on the show. Terry, what year were you on the show? How long has it been? Do you know? Do you remember? Yes. Well, it must have been 2009. I'm trying to remember I, if my first book was released. I think it was 2009, so sometime during that year, Laura. I think it was then, too. I meant to go back and find the show number. I'll try to link it on today's podcast if anybody wants to go back and listen to the first one that we did with Terry. But that was several years ago, and I was delighted when you let me know that you have your second book released, and you've done some uh, really cute things. Let's talk about your book, Terry, and then we'll kind of move to our overall theme. But tell us about the big book of exclamations, too. Sounds good. we Will do, Laura. Well, I just released in April of this year my second book, which is titled Talk With Me, 
the big book of exclamations too. And of course, it's similar to the first book in the respect that each illustration has functional routines that our toddlers usually go through on a daily basis. So it's filled with those kind of illustrations, um, which is similar to the first book. And the main difference in the two books is this updated version, Talk With Me, is diverse. And it is also done with digital illustrations. Um, So that's the main difference in the two books. I love it. I got a copy this week. And it is darling. I love the art, um, and I love how you've updated that. And, that you know, cultural diversity is such a hot topic <laughs> in education and certainly in the field of speech-language pathology. And I do love that our little friends can find someone in this book who looks like them. <laughs> so I think that's a wonderful yes. adaptation that you made with the second uh, copy. But talk with us about the premise of the book and the title of today's show is how to engage a busy toddler's attention with and I remember last time when you were on the show you talked about that the the whole driving force behind you creating these wonderful books in the first place is that parents don't always know how to get a busy toddler's attention and they'll sometimes really really struggle to use a book because they just try to read the words and then when their little one isn't compliant for lack of a better word they mm-hmm. stop and or become frustrated and then it becomes a big power struggle with you know I'm going to make you sit here and read mm-hmm. when it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that way so kind of walk mm-hmm. us through your whole evolution with how you started thinking about creating these books sure well when I first came out of college and started practicing with the early intervention population, I would sit down and try to bring out books with many of the toddlers. And after five or 10 minutes, think to myself, oh my goodness, they didn't say a word. I'm doing speech therapy and I'm not getting (laughs) children to say anything. And I was just, I was baffled at what can I do different? And so I took some time looking for books that had more actions and realized, gosh, if I maybe try to imitate actions, maybe I'll have more success. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of resources to look at back then because that was just right before the computer age, actually. (laughs) Um, So I kind of fortunately figured it out on my own, and I found myself taking books and covering up the text and telling parents, don't read the story on this page, just say num, 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 or rub your tummy or say bite apple or say I eat and I would again cover up the text and write exactly what I would want the parents to do and say so that the toddlers would start imitating during story time whether it was imitating a gesture or a sound or a word approximation and after several years of doing that I thought well where is the book that does this I need the book that does this can't keep ruining all of my storybooks and I (laughs) find it so I thought to myself well I I just have to create it and it took quite a few years before everything came together and I realized I'm finally going to do this and I finally did it and that was the evolution of the first book and that book took me about four years to kind of put everything together because I did end up self-publishing thinking who who would ever publish this book? You know, a, a speech pathologist yeah. 
would publish this book because they understand the premise. Right. So I couldn't imagine any major publishing company taking me on, and I, I didn't even want to try. So I put all my resource together, resources together and was able to put out my first book. And um, after several years, I had customers starting to come to me saying, we need diversity in our products, and um, we'd like you to add some diversity. And I thought, diversity? I'm from a very small tiny town with no diversity. So I I thought, well, I need to listen to these people and and see what it's all about. And then I actually took a vacation to a major metropolitan city and I thought, I need to do this ASAP. I I really do because our world is diverse and other communities are diverse. So I was really thrilled to be able to um, take the time to update the book. And I am also very happy with the changes myself. Oh, I think it's so just precious. I love it. Yeah, I totally love yeah. it. Yeah, the um, the diversity thing I think gets a lot of us and kind of catches us by surprise. And I do live, you know, outside a city or kind of between two cities and see children with of different uh, backgrounds. But it is sometimes we do kind of get locked in our own little worlds and don't really even realize, you know, and we'll hear that and we're sensitive to it, but on a daily basis we don't experience it. So it's so great that folks brought that to your attention and that you were able to uh, pivot and do a new product that really spoke to that need. Hey, let me just also say congratulations for biting the bullet and self-publishing. And, you know, that's certainly the way that we've gone with teachmetotalk.com too. People, I think, Mm -hmm. too, when when they're SLPs who – really want a product out there and when you have a great idea it can be so discouraging at the beginning when you're trying to launch and figure out how do I make this happen and people who kind of ask questions about that or think you know oh this is easy you just threw this together I love that you shared that it took you four years to make that dream Mm -hmm. a reality absolutely and and then with the second book I thought well this will be this should go a little quicker or smoother and um, the second book took me about two years so I did shave off a little time but there there was no rush and I told my illustrator there is no rush I want to take my time and make sure we get this right so um, I was I was fortunate to work with a great illustrator and he listened to everything I wanted and um, we were able to put this together. Well, it is just adorable. So why don't you walk, you've told us a little bit about um, how how it came about, and you've certainly told mm-hmm. us your how you talk to parents about it, but let's say that you are in a home and doing a visit and that you were talking with a parent, and let's say that you brought out your book. Tell, tell us exactly how you would talk with a parent about beginning to read your book and the tips that you would give. And let's just say that you were working with a wild two-year-old <laughs> who is very active and you were trying really hard to get his mom to understand that, yeah, books are a great option for teaching language. So just talk with us like you would a parent and walk through that whole process, what you would say. Sure, sure. And I have had many wild toddlers who were uninterested in using books definitely during our session. So that's nothing new to me. And and also many parents who would say to me in a very discouraged voice that they cannot get their 
toddler to sit for a book, and it's very disheartening for them because they are bombarded with those messages of you must read to your child. Um, and and they genuinely felt really bad that they were unable to do that. So I would explain to them that, well, there's other things you can do with the book, then read a story. You don't even have to read the story. You can go ahead and play with the book. And then I would bring out one of my books and show them, for example, on the wake-up page because the first illustration depicts a family in their bedroom environment waking up with the children waking up. And I would show them you could just put the book on the floor and just glance at it and maybe knock on the door um, you can say knock, knock, knock. You can say I knock. There's a drum on the floor. You can pretend to beat on the drum. You can go ahead and turn to your child and pat on them and say bam, bam, bam. And you can end up tickling them and getting them engaged that way. And you can go over and point out the airplane on the page and then pretend to fly around the room like an airplane. And before you know it, because you're moving, those children start engaging based on that movement. You, I would show parents you can point to the ball. You can pretend to pick it up. You can throw the ball. And before you know it, the child's picking up a ball and throwing it. And then they might come back and glance at the book and find something else to do. So I would show them to engage the child by imitating those gestures and simple sounds and engaging in that kind of back and forth turn-taking kind of play and when the child was done the child was done if we would turn the next page and which is an illustration of a family in a kitchen eating if the child was interested in imitating some of those actions such as pretending to take a bite of the apple or pretending to drink the hot coffee and blow on it and fan their mouth great if the child was done we did one page and that's actually that's a start we don't have to finish the whole book you know, and again, that was very new for so many parents. Um, so they felt a sense of relief that you could do something different with the book and you don't have to read a story. So I eliminated a story so parents wouldn't feel overwhelmed with something must be read. Um, at the yeah, beginning I, of the I book, just, I do ex- Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, at the beginning, at the beginning of the book, I do explain that nothing is intended to be read to the child. So go through the book, learn how it works, and then just have fun. And the neat thing about it is my purpose was to have a product that would be able to grow as the child's language grows. So as a child is just beginning to imitate very basic gestures and simple early sounds, um, we could move them from doing that on each page from saying like, knock, knock, choo-choo, bam, bam, hi, morning, all of those simple things to two-word combinations because you right. can customize what you do on each page to match a child's developmental level. So I've had parents come back and say, gee, we started with imitating the gestures and then the simple sounds started emerging and then they started labeling and naming things and before you know it, they were putting two words together and now they're using three and four words to talk about the illustrations. And that was the other point of the book that it would be able to grow as the child's language grew. I love it, and how I love the way that you lay that out so beautifully. And as you mentioned, you have the welcome page where you explain the premise of the book. And again, you've already mentioned that you're telling parents that you don't have to read it. But I love how in this version of the book, you even simplified the prompts so that parents yes. are looking at it. So before, which was the first 
book was fabulous. It was written kind of in a paragraph so that a parent could yeah. read it at the beginning and then know what to do. But the second book is even better yeah. <laughs> because you yes. simplify the props for the yeah. parents. And yeah. so yeah. Like, I'm looking at the book now. And so we already talked about the good morning page and sort of the time mm-hmm. to eat page. The next page with mm-hmm. time to go let me just mm-hmm. give our listeners some examples, like your bullet points here. Well, let's talk about the illustrations. You've got mom and a little, um, I don't know if that's a boy or a girl that she's holding there at the door on your yeah. time to go page. That's kind of good that it's generic yes. almost. Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree, Laura. And so you you have your illustrations are so cute because the, the mom is pointing. So, again, she's, you've got something to get some joint attention going there, which she's telling the puppy to stop, the puppy's running away, and you have the words above the puppies say, run, run, and then you have the bird, and the words above the bird say, tweet, tweet. And so your illustrations are perfect because they have the the exclamatory word or the animal sound, whatever, the play mm-hmm. sound, that how we would describe that to a parent is right there. But then you'll look at the next page, and you have bullet points that are like directions for parents. And you say, wave and say goodbye to people. And then you have in quotes, bye-bye, Daddy. And so I love that for parents so that we can explain, hey, if you're not sure what to say on these pages, just do what the bullets say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's all of the bullets are very simple, early emerging gestures. And again, that makes it really easy for the parents to show the child how to pretend to push and ring the doorbell or pretend to wave or pretend to lift your fingers up or or your arms up and say, pick me up or pretend to drive a car and steer a steering wheel and honk a horn. It gives them lots of ideas to act out many different actions and say many different sounds, words, or phrases on each page. Yeah, I think it's just great. And I I do a lot with helping parents learn how to modify books, too. And a video that I did, I guess it was maybe in 2014, it's on my YouTube channel, and it um, and you can find those videos for our listeners. You can access those through YouTube. Just search Teach Me to Talk or Laura Mize, and you can get those. Or you can get those straight from uh, Teach Me to Talk. There's a category at the top that says, I think it says videos. I don't want to flip over there right now. And I think it's funny sometimes on my own website, I'm not quite sure where to tell people where to go, but that's okay. But one of the videos that I did uh, was with the book Little Blue Truck and mm-hmm. I read the book but then showed like a little play scene after the book where I took objects that were really similar to the book and then we acted out what was going on uh, in the story. And that's a wonderful tip. And you've already mentioned mm-hmm. that previously uh, on a page or two back where you were saying with the ball. You know, you, you were pointing mm-hmm. to the picture of the ball in the book and saying – um, you know, and pretending or, you know, pantomiming how to throw the ball. But you could certainly do that with real objects, too. And that's a fantastic way to keep a busy toddler engaged when you're reading. So I'm sure you do some things like that, too. Yes, absolutely. And we've had some customers say, would you make some placemats so that we can have placemats at the dinner table? And so we're hoping at ASHA this year we'll be able to bring that in addition to our books. And people have also said, how about some little prompts? And my response to people in that respect are, 
um, or little toys that you can have that go along with it is these are all functional objects and you most people have all of the objects in the book in their house so I don't want to try to sell people things that they already have. You have most right. all these toys. So you can certainly take these toys out and pretend them, you know, pretend with the real objects as you are looking at the book. You know, and that's what I have done for lots and lots of my books is just to gather really similar objects. And part of the fun is that a kid really needs to learn to be symbolic. So he needs to see, oh, the real ball looks like this, and the ball on the picture looks like this, and that's really a representation of this real toy that I have here. And that, that's what language is. A word stands for something else. So I think that's a super way to help children become uh, symbolic with that. And we've already talked about that example that I gave in a, that video that I did in 2014 with Little Blue Truck, that's what I did is I just I took that book and I just went into my toy room and looked yeah. for objects that already had that were really, really yeah. similar to what they were using in the book and then just did the video with that. And anybody can do that with any book and just yes. take, um, take a few minutes to gather that. And I love what you said about you don't want to sell parents things they already have. <laughs> I yes. feel the same yes. way. Yeah. Yes. And I, I like, too, Laura, how you talk about that symbolism. It's so important that we recognize that these pre-symbolic kids or toddlers, they are not aware that this object might stand for this word yet. So when you pair them in a matching activity, it is a wonderful way to elicit that receptive language skill along with the expressive language skill. Exactly. And that's the, that's the step that's missing for so many of our little guys, and that's why a lot of our little friends don't want to sit with the book because they're mm-hmm. not involved. And so it, it doesn't make sense to them. And so I always that's say, right. yeah, on the podcast here and anytime I speak or teach a course, we have to fill in those gaps and we have to meet kids where they are. So if we have a kid yeah. who is, is pre-symbolic, this book is a fabulous tool, but we have to have that in-between step where we're bringing in those additional materials and where we're helping them literally form that connection and make that yeah. association because kids aren't always cognitively able to make that leap on their own. So it's really up to us. And that's one of the main things that we can do as speech-language pathologists and other kinds of early intervention professionals is talk to parents about that and say, the reason that he's not sitting with you with this book is this doesn't make sense to him yet. He doesn't realize that the pictures here stand for the things that are around your home. So we have to help mm-hmm. him link those concepts. And so a lot of times mm-hmm. what I'll do in the session is do what we've been talking about, take a book and say, okay, let's look at the toys that are here or the objects that are here and let's, just gather them. Let's take some time mm-hmm. right now and let's go get a cup. Let's go get a car. Mm-hmm. Let's get, you know, I'm on the time to go page. You know, I see that mm-hmm. you have a wagon, you know, right out on mm-hmm. the patio. Let's bring that inside so that mm-hmm. we can show the child. And that showing piece is really important. And that's where, um, again, we as therapists can help parents really understand that because they don't, they don't get that their child doesn't get it. And we have to help a parent see that, that that, because they'll look at a kid who's not sitting for a book and think it's just about bad behavior. 
and think it's mm-hmm. just, you know, or he has ADD or ADHD. He's not mm-hmm. going to sit yet when really mm-hmm. that's not, we're working on the wrong problem. And so we have mm-hmm. to help a parent really see that. And that's different for every child. There are, you know, kids, there's so many different reasons why a child wouldn't sit for a book, but that's part of the reason that we're there is to help a parent uncover that and to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. this is just the issue and then this is our potential solution. But I love that mm-hmm. your book is a tool for kids no matter kind of what's going on. But, you know, that that's our job to help a parent really wrap their heads around why a kid isn't sitting for a book and then show them what they can do to make that better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think the actions are really, really important. You know, uh, let me tell you how I recommend your book, Terry, and we'll just see what you think about this. <laughs> I oh, teach good. class called... <laughs> This course called Steps to Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, I wrote a book about it in 2012 where it really is a sequential approach to expressive communication development where we're looking at beginning to teach children to imitate actions with objects and then we kind of move on to communicative gestures and then we move on to, you know, imitating some actions with our mouth and thank goodness every kid doesn't need that a lot of kids can go straight on to play sounds and exclamatory words and then verbal routines mm-hmm. and then and then phrases and so your book like books like you've just talked about include all of those components within one tool and so i love that you said you could this this kind of tool can grow with the child as his or her expressive language skills would increase. So when I'm talking about um, your book in my course, how I usually teach this is, you know, again, it's a sequential approach. So we talk about, you know, level one, we're imitating actions with objects. And then, you know, level two, we move up to um, gestures. And as I'm I'm pointing that out, you know, with with different resources and different tools, and I usually save your book until I get on up to exclamatory words, especially because the first one was, you know, the big book of exclamations, and talk mm-hmm. about how you can use your book, again, through the entire process. But I love how you've broken it down now so that those actions and gestures are what you're emphasizing with parents because so many times mm-hmm. parents don't get that that's where language begins. That's where mm-hmm. imitation starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me ask you a question. So, And we were talking about this before the show started. So you were tell us about kind of your personal background. You were in private practice. For a long time, yes, and you've recently kind of made the switch. So tell us about all that. Yes. Well, I started out in school districts and worked um, worked with within that setting with the early intervention population from the time I graduated from college until so – I did that for about 11 years. And then after about 11 years, it's, it's interesting because I thought, hey, I think I got this. I think – I think I know what I'm doing now. So um, with a, a variety of situations that occurred in my life, um, my family, we ended up moving back to our hometown. And at that time, I made the transition into private practice. Um, and I actually brought a company from the metropolitan area into my hometown and started that way. And then so moved into private practice that way and did that for, oh, my goodness, probably 15 or 16 years. And my focus really at that time was on uh, working with the early intervention population and working with a lot more of the challenging 
toddlers and, and preschoolers that were really struggling to communicate. Um, and then I did that for, again, 15 or 16 years and then eventually uh, made the transition um, back into the school-based population. So right now I'm uh, working for a school district and doing some in early intervention, which I continue to love, but I'm also working um, with some of the preschool and elementary age kids. So that's um, where I'll work for a handful more years and until I retire from that. And, of course, my passion is always working with parents. Um, so I'll continue to stay involved with my book um, as, as long as I can. Exactly, exactly. And I love the flexibility of our career. That is, we get new passions or new, um, let's see, how shall I say this, when our bodies dictate that we need to make a change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one exactly. Thing to another, we the, yeah, we have the flexibility uh, with uh, our field to be able to do that and work in different settings and serve different populations kind of based on where we are in our own lives. So I love that too. What I wanted to ask you about though is I think that you can still use this book and we were talking about this uh, before, but I, I bet your preschoolers are even responding positively to um, your books. Oh, absolutely. And I use it a lot for language sampling. And I'm I'm using it with kindergartners and first graders just for answering and asking questions and inferencing and a variety of different skills. Retelling a story when, when my niece turned four, she was talking like crazy. And she would use the book just to retell a whole story. And she would just pick it up and make up a different story every time she told it. So it was really fun to see her progress through the book. Um, so it definitely can be used with older kids also uh, to target a variety of skills. The premise behind the book when I first did come out with, with it was more for the early intervention and the parent education piece and working with some of those kids that really struggled with learning, like you say, verbal imitation, um, acquiring those first sounds. So that was part of the intention of the book. And as I've grown into the book myself, I've come to realize that it can be used for some of the older kids, definitely depending on what you're working on. You know, I'll just tell you, I do think the illustrations are so enticing and engaging that I've had, when I've had the book just in my little bag or when I've taken it to show a parent and recommend that they get it, a lot of times those older brothers and sisters get the book and look at it you know, independently of anything that I'm doing with it. So it certainly is, again, because of the uh, care that your illustrator took to make it so visually interesting. I've had older kids who really just have sat and looked at it and just, you know, spent a lot mm -hmm. of time on every mm -hmm. page just kind of taking it all in. So I do think that it's really, really usable for children mm -hmm. um, as they grow. I love that you talked about receptive language, too, and I wanted to be sure that we're mentioning that with parents. A lot of times with a book, a parent will take a book and just automatically sit down and they're thinking, okay, we're working on talking with this child here. So they'll sit and kind of start what I refer to as the firing squad where they say, what's mm -hmm. that? What's this? Tell me this. <laughs> say this. And it just kind of turns into a really confrontational naming exercise, which is not comfortable for almost any child unless mm -hmm. his or her verbal skills are really advanced and unless 
they like that. A lot of our little friends who are language delayed, I think, eventually get diagnosed with uh, word retrieval issues. You know, sometimes it's not that they don't know the word. They just can't come up with it quickly enough. And Mm -hmm. we certainly don't diagnose that in a two-year-old, but it's there. And it's it's Mm -hmm. certainly a, a factor in how that child is able to respond. So I talk a lot with parents about using books for receptive language practice where they're just sitting down and saying, you know, where's the dog? Show me the ball. And where the child's only job is to look at the page and in some way indicate to mom or dad that he understands what they've asked for. So hopefully that becomes pointing. But for some children at the beginning, you just use eye gaze. You just use Mm -hmm. where they're looking and you do the pointing. You're taking their little hand and as best you can, shaping that little index finger to point <laughs> or just putting mm-hmm. their whole little hand on the object. And so that's how you help a kid move and make that link. And so like a lot of, for a lot of my little friends, what I've done is, you know, we've talked about helping them become symbolic. And so we're looking at the book. We're And let's just use our example here on the uh, wake-up page, the good morning page with blocks. And, you know, we've taken the time to kind of pull together some toys. And so I'll I'll say, you know, oh, look, here are the blocks. And I'm pointing to the blocks. And then I'm telling them, you know, let's find your blocks. Go get your blocks. And so we get the blocks. And then we make a big deal about coming back to the book and saying, show me the blocks in the book. You know, where are the blocks here? And then helping them point and helping them, Um, identify receptively what they see because a lot of times parents will say oh he knows that he understands that he just doesn't want to point he just doesn't Mm -hmm. like responding in that way but a lot of times it's just they don't understand it they're really missing Mm -hmm. that in between step and so we have to make that really purposeful and really obvious and show a parent how to, how to help a kid make that kind of connection. And so that's certainly um, a purpose or a goal that we can accomplish uh, with with the book too. And you were talking about how we move a kid along. So to move a kid along receptively, one of the things that um, I do with books and certainly can do here with your book is, you know, ask them questions about object functions, you know, like on the time to go page, uh, you know, which one is flying? Show me what flies. And mm-hmm. so they'll point to the bird. Or show me who's running. And so, again, uh, or show me what we drive. Those kinds of questions receptively, especially on a day two when a kid isn't very verbal. And, you're, you know, you've tried everything you can to really get those little expressive skills moving along. Sometimes we really have to back up to that receptive piece and begin there and then it sort of takes the pressure off, and the child is able to, to begin to respond verbally when before he, he wasn't really um, able to do that yet. Yes, and, you know, having a, a book that is so versatile, and I just think that is so important because there are so many different things you can target from your expressive skills to your receptive skills when you have a product that has this much versatility. And we, I've also spoke with, individuals, teachers who have parents who can't read. And when you have families that are 
unable to read a story, we show the parents you don't have to be able to read. You can just talk even in your native language about what you see going on. You can be successful with this book. We give them examples. We show them what to do. And before you know it, they're thrilled because they're able to use this book without having to read anything. So we're also trying to target that population or, again, um, individuals who can't read English English, you don't have to be able to read. If you have a teacher that can explain to you how to use the book, you can right. use this. You can use your book this way. And not only that, they learn you can use all of your books this way. If this is how your child is responding, you don't have to be able right. to read the story. You don't have to be able to um, read English or speak English to use the book. So we really wanted to make the product as versatile as possible, targeting a variety of skills and helping a variety of parents learn how they can help their child grow and learn. I think that's a fantastic point, and I love that you uh, mentioned it and love that you talk about using it in that way because that's certainly really, really important. And a lot of times our Therapists, especially who work in state early intervention programs, will talk about the challenges of working with families who don't have very many resources at home. And especially in the last 10 years or so when there's been a big movement with, you know, not taking toys in, the no toy bag movement. And, Mm -hmm. you know, therapists Mm -hmm. have gotten a little bummed out about that and said, you know, well, this family doesn't have anything. What am I going to use? Mm -hmm. This is still a really affordable tool for you to be able to show a parent. And the other thing that you've mentioned, but let's just talk about it, all of the scenarios that you have listed in the book, all of these little scenes are daily routines. These are things families are doing every day with waking up, with eating, with taking a bath with um, Mm -hmm. going to the park. And so, again, I think it gives therapists another way to talk to families about how to embed their language activities within daily routines. Yes, and And that was the purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so talk a little Yeah. No, go ahead, Laura. No, you go ahead. Talk about how you would say to a mom, would you, I'm sure you have these conversations, Terry, like with you've done a therapy activity with a family, and I'm sure that you say, and now when you, the rest of the week, I want you to, so talk about how you would teach a parent how to expand this activity. Sure. Well, oftentimes we would use the time to eat book and talk about it or the time to eat page. We'd talk about it. We'd play with it. And then we'd say, let's go to the table. Let's have our snack time routine. Now I'll show you how we can incorporate these same gestures while we're right here at your table doing this and then showing the parent and then having them take over and, and elicit the simple sounds or words or gestures or phrases. So we would just take what we did in the book and go right to their yard or their table and eat um, or their bedroom and play with some of the toys they have on their floor so that we really can show them in the book and then take them to their real life scenario and remind them this is really where we need the language most importantly in your everyday routine. Exactly. I love it. And I love that we can do that. And let me just say that that works both ways too. So you can certainly Start with the book and then tell a parent, like you just explained, let's go do this activity now that we have some language little things that we're going to work on. But we can do it 
you, I've done it the opposite way too, where we've been eating and having a snack and really enjoying it. And then for kids who don't like books that a parent feels a little frustrated about that, you can say, hey, let's use how much fun we already had here with snack time and let's bring out the book and make the book a part of that so that books become part of our fun routine too. So you can certainly use this tool either way with families. And I I love it too because, uh, again, it's versatile to use your word there. You can – you can take whatever situation that a family or a child that you you happen to find and be able to kind of work it in. And families go both ways. You know, there are a lot of kids. I've had a lot of kids, and I bet you too, Terry, have had this situation where they love books, but they're really not using books as a shared activity with the parent. They may be sometimes a little self-stimulatory with the book, meaning that the child just wants to flip the pages and kind of get that visual feedback that some of our little friends do. So we have to help those little friends kind of slow down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And then some kids really look at, uh, take looking at a book as an independent activity and they don't like it when mom or dad try to invade their personal time with the book and so they we have to help a parent really learn how they can get in there and use the book for teaching language because you know a lot of parents will say you know he really likes books and he's really learning from books and then I'll look at them and say how do you know (laughs) how do you know he's Mm -hmm. learning if you are never labeling that picture if you are never getting an opportunity to talk with him you know language You've got to have another person there to communicate. So if it's just Mm -hmm. that visual activity, you really don't know that there's much uh, cognitive development going on there. And sometimes that's kind of an eye-opener for parents. They haven't thought about it in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, so so I like that we can uh, kind of take – meet a child where he is, kind of take what's going on and then help a parent understand based on what we're seeing with the child, how they can use the book and kind of what the goal should be. Because sometimes parents will say, you know, he or she loves books and then I'll try to do the book and I realize, you know, uh uh-oh. We've got a little bit more going on here than uh, Mm -hmm. mom or dad would realize, and they don't understand, you know, he's not letting mom or dad join them because the the book doesn't really have anything to do. Um, It's not a language-building opportunity yet. And so we have to talk Mm -hmm. with the parent about that and and talk about how important it is that a child uh, can share that activity. Not that we don't ever want kids looking at books by themselves. We certainly do. And, boy, did I do that with my kids when they were little. If I needed to get something done and – Oh, especially in the car. You know, I I just really developed my rotator cuff issues probably initially (laughs) leaning over into the back seat to give them a book or something to do, you know, while I was driving, something to occupy their attention. But we really Mm -hmm. need a child to be able to listen and participate with an adult so that they can get the benefits of language learning. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know what there's, you know, the research is showing that, parents are their child's first and most important teacher and and parents don't understand the significant impact language has on their toddler's brain development you know more and more research is pointing to the fact that we have to talk more and more to our our children 
Right, exactly. And so I think your little book gives such a great um, opportunity for that and it's such a good teaching tool for us to use as speech-language pathologists and other therapists to work in early intervention and work in preschool programs, any kind of program where we're working with our little friends with language delays. It's such a good tool so that, and such a good resource for us that we can pull it out and really use it as an opportunity to educate a parent. And not only just to talk to a parent about how to do it, we can show them how to do it. And you've made that really, really easy because you mm-hmm. went in the directions. <laughs> Mhm. Yep, that's so, what I was hoping to do. Super way and to do I it. Also, hey, listen. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead with this point. I'm writing myself a little note so I can remember what I want to tell you. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was also going to say, um, you know, being a speech-language pathologist, I, I created the book knowing there wasn't anything on the market like it, and this is exactly how we get our little ones engaged during story time and story time and imitating and practicing speech and language uh, sounds and words and that sort of thing. On the other hand, it's also a wonderful teaching tool for typical developing toddlers. I don't want to pigeonhole the book as a book for kids with suspected delays or disorders. It certainly is a wonderful wonderful tool for that population. And on the other hand, it's a great tool for typical developing one, two, and three-year-old children also. Oh, I totally agree. And I told you that, you know, I've seen that happen over and over again where I've had the book just with me and I'm playing with my little friend, you know, who I'm seeing for therapy, but his or her typically developing older sibling is over there with your book on the couch just really looking at it really engaged with it and you know mom can come over and even use it with with that child too so that's good okay so here's what I want to tell you and again I hope that this doesn't upset you in any way but anybody who's listened to the show knows that I'm just going to say what I think regardless of the outcome (laughs) but you know what a lot of early interventionists have told me they love the book Terry especially when I've gone back to a city and say I'm doing a different course and so a therapist has you know come back to hear me for the second or third time and I'll mention the big book of exclamations and I've had this happen over and over where therapists will raise their hands and they'll say you know the only thing that that's been hard for me in early intervention with it's not a board book (laughs) yeah but listen let me tell you what people are doing and, again, I hope this doesn't offend you, but they're really able oh, to use no. it. They take the pictures apart, and they just laminate it, and then they put it yeah. back together as a laminated yeah. book. Isn't that a great idea? Yeah. It's a great idea. And, you know, the problem with – and I'm an early intervention specialist, so I completely get it, and I was very disheartened because of the size and the amount of pages. We could not turn it into a board book, and we considered with this edition cutting out some of the information, but we absolutely couldn't because people would not know how to use the book. So once again, we had to make it into um, a thick page, of course, but there are those kiddos that they like to tear, and I certainly understand that. So, you know, unfortunately, we were not able to cut out enough of the information to make it in a board book. But I love the idea that they're laminating it and taking the pages out. And, you know, hopefully this this second print with this new – or this first print with this new book, we did use the thickest pages possible. But 
I think when we go to reprint, we're going to be looking at this water-resistant map paper, which is something that is tear-proof. So we're going to try to do our next print in a paper like that. But unfortunately, because of the size, we couldn't make it into a board book, which, yeah, that's just where we're at right now. But I will keep you posted on our second print and if we're able to move into that different kind of paper, because wouldn't that be awesome if it was tear-resistant? Yes, I love it. I love that idea. You know, the other thing with that, just the cost, and sometimes it's so, it's so, I, I so appreciate when a therapist will say, you know, or try to, even about my product, they'll try to give me some ideas about how to update it. And then they don't really think about the logistical issues that come up when you're publishing a book. You know, cardboard books are terribly expensive to produce in the United States. I've Mm -hmm. looked at doing some things like that, and it's just really cost prohibitive unless you're going to try to send it overseas to get it done. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned Mm -hmm. before traditional publishers don't understand what our (laughs) focus always is, so they want to kind of tweak your idea, and then before you know it, you're you're so far away from what your original intention was that you don't even recognize it as your own work anymore, and so you, you know, cancel the deal because it's nowhere near what you're going to do. And I was just going to mention that, you know, for any therapist who's listening who's saying, I just don't understand why she didn't do a cardboard version. You explained that so Mm -hmm. beautifully with, you, you know, you don't want to skimp on the information that you're including per page, it's just not mm-hmm. as easy as it sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're the person, mm-hmm. you know, who's giving the book. It's a great idea, but sometimes real life barriers present themselves, and there's really, you know, it's hard to overcome it. And you would rather have a book out available as a wonderful teaching resource than have it be 100%. Um, you know, we just can't always create the conditions that we want to make it feasible. Yes, and you know, I, I would, I understand the the board book issue, and the other, even if the other factor we came across in exploring this is, we did have a company out of New York that said um, that they would be able to do it in a board book, but it would be really thick and heavy, and very very expensive to ship because it would be so thick and heavy. So people would be paying more than $6 to ship one book because of how heavy it would be if indeed they wanted to try. And it would it would have cost me $19, a little more than $19 a book to put it together. And I yeah, thought and that's just not feasible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what I meant by that whole thing because – you know, again, it's just it's funny being on this end of it, being on the the author publisher end when you're looking mm-hmm. at something and you think, oh yeah, that's a fabulous idea, but then you start crunching the numbers and think, well, you know, I can't, I don't want to sell my children's book for forty five dollars, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. what you would have to end up doing with a cardboard book to make it worth it. Yeah. So yes. yeah, yeah, I can. And on the other hand, Amazon has them. Amazon has the hardcover for sale for $29 and I just thought people don't don't go to Amazon you can get it for 16.95 from our website because but with the markup and how how business works with Amazon that's what you have to do to sell a product with them so my my hope is to continue to have a hardcover I've been surprised at how many people want 
a hardcover book versus a softcover book. And we did decide to come out with a softcover just for a more appropriate price point. You know, people can get yeah. a softcover for $12 versus sixteen ninety five for a hardcover. And I want to continue to offer options for our customers because I, I'm still a therapist buying materials also, and I really appreciate when people keep their prices reasonable. I know. I know. I totally get it. I love the hardcover because I feel like I can just throw it in my bag or it can be on the floor with other toys mm-hmm. and other things we're doing, and I'm not quite as worried about it as, you know, and I'm one of those people and I've said it over and over, I just go a little bit crazy when a kid tears a page in a book. I do, you know, I'm wasting my hand to confess that because it mm-hmm. does make me a little, you know, I feel like, oh, you know, so I get the concern with that, but the hardcover does make it more durable. And I'm, I feel like, gosh, I can get over there and prevent a kid from ripping out every page because the cover mm-hmm. is, a, you know, it's very durable. And I'll tell you the other thing that I do with hardcover books, it, for a kid who doesn't like books at all, I play with the book in lots of different ways before we even open it to start to look at the picture. So I might put it, um, you know, on the on its edges and make it like it's a tunnel and roll a sure. car in there a couple times or make it like it's the ramp and I put the car on top and we're rolling the car down the ramp. Uh, you know, the hardcover of the book and almost anything that I can do to just to get a kid interested and, you know, just that exposure piece with playing with the book, especially for kids who have such negative um, little reactions. You know, I've had some friends, and I know um, parents tell me this all the time, it, as soon as I bring out the book, my kid just runs the other way. So for those kinds of children, we have to provide some positive experiences, and a lot of times that includes just playing with the book in a different way before we would mm-hmm. even think about looking at the pages. And we've already given those other great examples of pulling out real toys that correspond with uh, what the pictures are, so we can certainly do that. But that's a way to kind of walk a kid and and really desensitize the kid or normalize the kid's response by playing with the book in that way. And so the hardcover, I think, is ideal for that because it gives you other opportunities to use it and have a kid interact with the book and use the book and touch the book before we even think about opening it to look at the pictures. True. Yep, that's that's some great information, Laura. I agree. All right, so before we're finished, I can't believe our hour's almost over. It flies every single time. <laughs> so tell <laughs> us, it, we, you mentioned Amazon, and listen, let me just say, I love Amazon. I am uh, just Amazon addicted. I order almost, I do almost all my shopping online now, but it is frustrating from uh, uh uh, the author's perspective with how much we have to do with markup and stuff, I've really taken all my products off Amazon. People have written and said, you know, you used to have this therapy manual as a digital copy. It's just because so many, just the business practices don't um, make it viable. Like you said, mm-hmm. you have to jack the price up so that you can mm-hmm. make sure that you're still kind of covering your bottom line there. So. I totally get that as well. So tell us where and how to get the book. Sure. Well, 
Um, people can just Google the name of the book, the Big Book of Exclamations, or talk with me, the Big Book of Exclamations, too, and they should be directed right to our website, which um, is chatterboxbooks.com, which is what we call our publishing company. Um, and they can order online through us, or people can call or email me. Uh, we're willing to take credit cards, checks, however they want to do it. We offer uh, bulk pricing, if people are interested in buying more than a couple copies, I'm always willing to do what I can to get the book in the hands of people who who need the book or who are interested in getting the book. Again, it is on Amazon just mostly for the exposure so people can – I have plenty of people who find it there. And I always hope right. they see $29 for a hardcover. I always hope, geez, um, Google the, t- the title. Maybe you'll find it significantly less expensive on another website. Um, and they can come to our website, and you can find it for $16.95 on our website directly, or my, the soft cover is $11.95 on our website. Otherwise, it is, I think, $15.95 on Amazon. So people can come right to our website, chatterbox.com, or they can call me, and I can um, – uh, mail them a book. They can send a check. I, we we want to be able to work with everybody in that respect, Laura. Okay, that's good. Now, is it chatterbox.com or chatterboxbooks.com? It's chatterboxbooks.com. Okay, there you go. Because I thought I heard you say it the other way, and I wanted to be sure that I okay. am including the correct link. I'm linking that on the written summary of today's show. Every podcast that I do, and this is just for listeners, Every podcast has a written summary at teachmetotalk.com, and you can find the most recent show uh, in the middle of the page with um, kind of scroll down, and there's a whole banner toward the bottom that will, uh, it says listen to our podcast, and you can always get the most recent show there or listen and subscribe through iTunes, which is how I think lots of folks do it. But I wanted to mention that the post is there And if you're thinking, oh, a lot of people tell me that they listen to this show while they're exercising or while Mm -hmm. they drive between home visits or parents tell me, you know, I use it when I clean or, you know, whatever they're doing and they may not have Mm -hmm. an opportunity to write the website now. You can always get this at teachmetotalk.com. Click on on this show. It's number 293, and then I'll have a link there to Terry's website. So you can get the very best price on her wonderful, wonderful book. Thank you so much, Terry, for being with us. Is there anything you want to say to kind of wrap up, anything that you uh, wanted to mention that we haven't gotten to talk about today? Um, gosh, I don't think so, Laura. I just want to thank you for your time today and just thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing, not only with the parents and the children, but also um, with all of the therapists you're helping uh, as they continue to grow their skill set with working with these young kids. Thank you for all you do and all of your wonderful resources. And I, I really appreciate um, you taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it is Labor Day weekend, and I bet is this the last professional thing on your agenda, Terry, before your long holiday week? I think so. I, I think I have some shipping to do yet today. Um, but otherwise, yes, I think I'm um, going to take some time off and enjoy the long weekend. Me too. I'm doing the same thing. So we are both wrapping it up for this week. Thanks so much, Terry. I just always love talking to you. Every time you get a new book, I want you to come back, all right? 
Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.